Um, today we're going to finish out our series that we've been working through the na- last few weeks called Better Together. And as we've been going through this series, we've been looking at the different statements throughout the New Testament. There's 59 of them, actually, or it appears 59 times. These one another statements. These statements are so common because it matters how we treat each other. That within the body of Christ, it matters how we treat one another. And one of the main reasons people stay in a church community and want to be part of a church family is because how will people treat people? And sometimes one of the reasons people do not want to stay and be a part of a church community is oftentimes because how people treat one another. That when the church gets this one anothering right, when we really learn to love each other well, then the church becomes a beautiful place where God's grace is at work through one another and the body is strengthened. But when the church doesn't get this right, then oftentimes it leaves a wound. And then sometimes this wound is almost seems impossible to heal. The gospel has horizontal and vertical implications to us. That we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. That this love of God sits deep in our soul and we give him thanks. We give him thanks for all that he has done for us. We recognize him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one whom we worship, the number one priority of our lives. And then that same gospel also has implications to how we treat one another. How it is that we live out the grace of God in our own lives. And so we've been going through these one another statements and looking at them and trying to wrestle with what does it look to love one another well. We've talked about bearing with one another, encouraging one another, admonishing one another, and spurring one another on. That these are the kinds of things that if we want to truly love one another well, that we will wrestle with and that we will work at getting better at doing. And today we're going to talk about a really, really, really important one. And that is accept one another. The call in scripture to accept one another. We find it in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. If you want to look it up, we're going to read along together today. Romans chapter 15, it's on page 1766 if you're using the Bible in the seat, or you can look it up electronically as well. Romans chapter 15. I'm going to read it and then just make a few comments about it as we gather together. So Paul in Romans has been talking about uh, the gospel. He's been talking about the good news that God does not save us because of our righteousness. He does not save us because of the good things that we've done, but because of the righteousness of Christ that gives us peace and joy and purpose. And in the last few chapters of Romans chapter uh, 14 and 15, I would encourage you to read them later if this is a topic you want to continue to wrestle with. We see Paul turning his attention to this church, this body of believers, calling them to accept one another. Chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. So when you think of strong and weak, you think of people maybe who have followed Christ for longer, who've had more experience under their belt, who've made some mistakes and learn from them, maybe not the first time, but the second time or the 20th time. And there's been this progress in their own spiritual life where their faith has gotten stronger because they've been following the Lord longer. And there's those who are weak. They're new to the faith. 
They just became a Christian recently. They're still trying to figure things out. They have so many questions. It's all so new to them. And Paul says here, at times they have failings. They simply fail at being a good Christian or living the Christian life. And in a community like a local church, it gets seen and noticed by other people. So bear with the failings of the weak and do not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Meaning Jesus, by associating with us, gets insulted. He takes our insults that are due for us upon himself. Verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us because we're disciples and we want to learn. Has been written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. We see in this, the context here, both from chapter 14, if we were to read all of that, in chapter 15, that Paul is talking about how it is that we accept one another in a local church when there's lots of differences. And he highlights kind of two ways in particular. First of all, he talks about um, that for some people in faith, their faith is new. They're growing, they're struggling, they're trying to figure out what does it really look like to live out this Christian life? What does it look like for me? How do I make Jesus as the central priority, the number one anchor in my life? And what does it look like as I live that out? And I know unlike you and I, they struggled at times. And it didn't always go perfectly. So they had some things that they were figuring out. In particular, they had some disagreements over what Paul refers to as disputable matters or secondary issues of the faith. So not about the divinity of Christ and not about the nature of salvation, but about secondary matters such as, in Romans, worship and lifestyle issues. Shocker, I know. These were some of the issues that they were having struggles with. They were having issues about. They were talking about them. And they felt very, very strong about them. And this should not surprise us. Because in these households that, came to, that were part of the church, some of them came from a Jewish background. Meaning they never ate certain things. They had very strict dietary laws. They had very specific rules around worshipping in particular on a Saturday. And then they were sitting next to people from a Roman background. Who came from pagan religions. Who ate anything and everything they could get their hands on. And who followed the pattern of worshiping on the day that Jesus was resurrected. And they all felt very strongly about their thoughts on this issue. And they had Bible verses to back them up. And they were breaking fellowship with each other. And it was heartbreaking. Not only that, some people were failing in their walk with Christ. They were making mistakes, whether it was accidentally or just they kind of had a season where they said, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I want right now. And they did it. And there was causing, and there was failings that were happening. And people were watching this happen. And as a church, they weren't sure what to do with it. So what was happening, whether it was the new believers who were trying to figure out their faith or the other believers who were just making mistakes and failing, people were getting pushed to the margins. If you failed, 
If you're struggling, you can stand over there. We don't want you here. We don't want you sitting here. We don't want you being a part of this. We need you to be at a distance from us. And as you read through Romans chapter 14 and Romans chapter 15, you almost get the sense that Paul is saying, that's not what it looks like to truly accept one another. That's not what it looks like to love one another. And this kind of, these scriptures challenge me and they should challenge all of us because this is the heavy lifting of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember, the church in Rome is no different than our church today or other churches today. Each of you grew up in a specific home. You grew up in a specific church and you grew up in a specific culture and tradition. And with all, you brought all of that with you when you came here. And you're sitting next to people who feel differently than you do on certain matters as it relates to faith. And you feel strongly about them and you probably have Bible verses to back you up. And while we're having to ask ourselves this question, each disciple is to ask ourselves, I may have grown up in a home that said this, but what do the scriptures teach? I may have grown up in a culture that said, these people and the stereotypes about them are all true, and so we have, are justified to treat them as lesser than. Maybe you grew up in a church culture that said on secondary matters of faith, you know, if this person believes that, then you're not to associate with them. And if that's true for you, then part of being a disciple is opening our hearts and allowing the Spirit of God to show us any of the ways that we have gotten excuses to exclude one another as believers from being a part of the same family. These are the kinds of questions that mature Christians must ask. And it's the question at the heart of Paul's words in chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you to the praise of God. So what we're going to do over these next few minutes, I'm just going to take verse 7 and break it into three pieces and talk about each piece. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you and to the praise of God. So let's start by talking about Paul's phrase here, accept one another. The word accept means to draw near, to come alongside, to take someone or something that's distant from you, and you do the work to bring it close. Older translations of the scriptures on this verse will often say, receive one another, which is to say, open the door and make room for someone to come in. Receive them like you would receive somebody into your home. A number of weeks ago, when we were talking about admonishing one another or putting some information in someone else's mind to help them better uh, understand how to follow Jesus, we talked about the story of Priscilla and Aquila, a couple from a church who were there on a Sunday morning, and this big-shot young pastor, Apollos, comes through, and he preaches a rip-roaring sermon, but at the end of it, they're struck by the fact that he's miss, missing an important piece of the gospel. And he wasn't trying to intentionally mislead them. He was young, and he lived in a part of the world where they hadn't heard that part yet. And so they literally accepted him into their home, brought him home for lunch, and gave him the information. And remember, Apollos got better, and his ministry increased. The writer of Acts uses the same word here, to accept one another, to bring them close to yourself, to draw them in. And I can bet that when Paul's letter was being shared with the church in Rome, there was people sitting there thinking what I re think about when I read this verse. 
And maybe what you think about as you hear this today is, hold on a second, but what if? Because immediately our heart goes to, what if? Okay, accept them, but what if? What if this? What if that? What if they live a certain way? What if they believe things differently than I believe? What if they're posting this on Facebook? What if they've kind of gotten themselves caught up in this or that? And immediately you and I can come up with a whole list of what ifs. To which I think Paul would say, of course, well, we can admonish one another, we can encourage one another, we can have conversations with one another. But it does not give us license to stop accepting one another on these disputable matters. Imagine someone who's young in their faith, who's maybe gone a little sideways, and they get pushed to the margins. Imagine someone who's in their faith and they, they blow it. They make a big mess, and it becomes public, and everybody's talking about it. And we hold them at arm's length. How would that person ever get restored or get the grace or the care or the support that they need so that they can continue in a right relationship with Christ? Now, this topic might make you uncomfortable. Thinking about this, accepting one another, like really? Everybody? Are you kidding me? And if that creates some tension in you, then good. I think it's supposed to. I think it created tension for Paul. I think it created tension for all of the early church as they wrestled with what does it look like for us to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Because if we want to truly live like Christ, we're going to have to abandon the idea that we can only accept people that we agree with, which is largely, mostly the way our culture today works. If you will only accept the people that agree with you, you're going to have a very lonely spiritual journey. And if you want to be a part of a church that's neat and tidy and everybody looks perfect on the outside, then what you're saying is hide all your junk under the surface. Wear a facade. Fake it. And what that actually is communicating to other people is that we don't believe God's grace is sufficient enough to deal with the things that you have going on in your life. And we don't know that we have the grace and mercy and patience to help you with it either. But Paul believes profoundly in the grace of God to deal with any and every circumstance that we might have going on in our lives. And so he opens his arms and says, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. And it was interesting to me as I was reading through this um, that in verse 5, Paul writes, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other as Christ Jesus had. Endurance. <laughs> Implying this might not be a quick fix. Walking with people who are new to their faith, who are stumbling and trying to figure things out, you're going to have to make a commitment of time to walk with them. Or if someone has failed, you might need to walk with them for a season to help them get restored and encouragement. Paul says this could be heavy lifting work. You need to be encouraging to them and others need to be encouraging to you. And all the while, the goal is that we would have the same mind as Jesus Christ towards one another. This is what it means to love one another. Remember, 
Christ does not give us these things without also giving us the Spirit to enable us to live them out. Let's look at the next part. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. And if you find accepting one another difficult, then I think this part of the verse will be helpful. Think about the moment that Jesus came into your life. Think about the moment that you really sensed God was speaking to you, he was drawing you to himself, his spirit was working in your heart, and you opened your heart in faith and became a child of God. Think about that moment in your life. And I want you to think about, in that moment, what you believed. What do you think your theology was like? How much Bible knowledge did you have in that moment? And I want you to think about your lifestyle. I want you to think about some of the things that you were thinking, saying, and doing at that time. And is it fair to say that when Jesus welcomed you into his family, he did not approve of all the things that you thought and did? Is it possible that in that moment, that God's acceptance of us was not based on our performance or our right living or our religious heritage or anything, but simply because of his affection for you? That God accepted you because he loved you even though he did not approve of all the things you did. In the same way that he didn't approve of Peter, um, but he accepted him when Peter was racist. And when James and John wanted to see fire come down from heaven to destroy this pagan community, Jesus did not approve of them in that moment, but he accepted them. In the same way that Jesus did not push Nicodemus off the roof because he had bad theology and he didn't approve of his ideas about how it was that we get to be saved. He accepted him. He walked with these people as they began this transformation process. At the heart of learning to accept one another means coming to grips, first and foremost, with God's acceptance of you and of me. So let me ask you today, do you believe that Jesus has accepted you? Do you believe that his grace is greater than all of your sin? Do you believe that he's taken your sin and put it as far as the east is from the west? That while your sin increased, grace increases all the more? Do you truly believe today that Christ has welcomed you to be a son and daughter in his family? That he's invited you to a seat at his table? Not because of anything you've done, but because of his love for you. Do you truly believe that today? Because if there's any part of us and just an ounce of us that thinks that God's affection for us is based on our performance or what we've done or that we've been better than that person or certainly better than those people over there, then we will never truly be able to accept people because we think Jesus likes us because of what we've done. You become kind of like the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son. The younger brother takes his father's money, goes away, blows it all, parties it away, is the poster child for disobedience. He hits rock bottom and he comes home. The father is so overwhelmed with joy, he throws a party and calls for a great celebration for his younger son. But the older son had been there all along. He stayed home. He did what his dad wanted. He completed the list. He never left. He was always good. He always worked hard. 
And when he saw his brother's disobedience, he was angry. And when he saw his father's acceptance of the younger brother, he was furious. Because in his heart, slowly over time, he'd come to believe that what the affection that he had from his father was deserved and was earned. And it can happen to me. And maybe today you would say it can happen to you. If we want to grow in our ability to accept one another, it starts by remembering that Christ accepted us. No conditions attached. Finally, in this verse, in order to bring praise to God. And I love this. Um, You know, Paul is reminding us here, if we want to let the world know how great the love of God is, it should be on display within a local church. It should be on display in how it is that we love one another. That one of the ways that God's grace is made public and one of the ways it's put on display is when you and I actually live this out with each other. Others will see it and be moved by it because we live in a day where people are so desperate to be accepted. Now, the challenge for us is that within church culture, not just ours, but I think most church cultures, this scenario can kind of play itself out. Let me describe it to you. A person comes to church for a long time and they slowly receive the message that you should hide all of your junk or your garbage beneath the surface and kind of present yourself as it's all good. I got it together, I got it figured out, and I'm doing great. And this can kind of get entrenched in any local church culture. And then someone shows up, and they have the audacity to show up with their sin on full display. They have the audacity to show up here, and their life's a mess, and they failed, and they're struggling. And the message can get subtly sent to them. This is not a place where we do that. This is not a place where we deal with those kinds of things. And people can kind of get pushed to the margins. I love Nikki Gumbel's quote. Churches are not museums that display perfect people. And if you're coming today hoping to see one, you've not seen one yet. They are hospitals where the wounded, the hurt, the injured, and the broken find healing. And they do that. First, it starts when we accept one another, just as Christ accepted us. Now, if we want to be this kind of a church, I'm going to give you a little homework, and I know I've pushed you a little today. Um, I want to give you a little exercise to do. It's kind of a fill-in-the-blank exercise. We won't do it here, but you can do it maybe a little bit later when you get home. If this is an area in your heart, you know, you think, you know what? This is my thing. This is something I'm struggling with. This is an area that, you know what, I've got to get better at. I've got to figure out what's going on here because I find it really hard to accept other people. And it would simply be this. Uh, Write this on a piece of paper. Lord, today I remember you accepted me when I was. And then there's a blank. Now, if I was doing this for myself, I would need about seven pages of blank space. So one line would not be sufficient. When I think about where I was at when Christ accepted me, what I was doing, what I believed, how I spoke, what I thought, how I treated other people. It was far from God honoring. And yet God reached out to me and he accepted me. 
So I would start by just remembering that's where I was like, that's what I was like, and that's where I was at. So help me to accept, and then write their name in there. Don't leave this on the kitchen table, by the way. Write their name in there. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it in your life that you are trying to avoid? You're keeping your distance from? There's something about them you just cannot accept. And then why? And my hope is, as we do this, that it will bring us back to this verse. God, help me to accept other people just as you accepted me. And as we do, and as we figure this out, and it won't be perfect, God's going to be on display for the world to see. A world that is truly, truly wondering, if I'm busted up, can I go there? If I failed, is there a spot for me here? If my faith is in shambles and I'm not even sure what I believe, is there, how are they going to treat me? But they would know that there's a community of people here who have all experienced the grace of God and would be willing to share it to them. Let's pray. Jesus, we pause to just reflect on your mercy to each one of us. That while we were sinning off doing our own thing, you died for our sins. You died to make it possible for us to have a relationship with you. And the love that drove you to do that had no strings attached and no conditions. And that it's available to each and every one of us today. And so we thank you for it. And we just pause to soak in your grace and to remember how good it is, how powerful it is, how transformative it is in our own lives. And we pray that it would transform our hearts that might be holding back to anybody for any particular reason. And Lord, that we would be generous. We pray ultimately that as we live this out here within our congregation, that the world would see your goodness. And the answer to the question of whether or not there is room for me there would be answered with a resounding yes. And we pray this in Christ's name.